Section 78 of London Labour and the London Poor by Henry Mayhew, Volume 1. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Peter Yearsley. The Street Folk, Part 78. Of the Street Sellers of Miscellaneous Manufactured Articles. In addition to the more staple wares which form the street trade in manufactured articles of a miscellaneous character, are many, as I said before, which have been popular for a while and are now entirely disused. In the course of my inquiry it was remarkable how oblivious I found many of the street sellers as to what they had sold at various periods. Oh dear, yes, sir. I've sold all sorts of things in the streets besides what I'm on now. First one and then another has promised a few pence, was the substance of a remark I frequently heard. But what was meant by the one and the other thing thus sold, they had a difficulty to call to mind. But on a hint being thrown out, they could usually give the necessary details. From the information I acquired, I select the following curious matter. Six or seven years ago, galvanic rings were sold extensively by the street folk. These were clumsy lead-coloured things, which were described by the puffing shopkeepers, and in due course by the street sellers, as a perfect amulet, a thing which by its mere contact with the finger would not only cure but prevent fits, rheumatics, and cramps. On my asking a man who had sold them, if these were all the ailments of which he and the others proclaimed the galvanic rings an infallible cure, he answered, Like the quack medicines you read about, sir, in advertisements, we said they was good for anything anybody complained of, or was afraid of coming on them. But we went mostly for rheumatics, a sight of tin some of the shopkeepers must have made. For what we sold at a penny, they got sixpence apiece for. Then for gold galvanics, and I've been told they was gilt, they had ten shillings and sixpence each. The streets is nothing to the shops on a dodge. I've been told by people, as I'd sold galvanics to, that they'd had benefit from them. I suppose that was just superstitious. I think Hyams did the most of any house in galvanics. The men selling these rings, for the business was carried on almost entirely by men, were the regular street traders who sell first one thing and then another. They were carried in boxes, as I have shown medals are now, and they generally formed a portion of the street jeweller's stock whether he were itinerant or stationary. The purchasers were labourers in the open air, such as those employed about buildings, whose exposure to the alternations of heat and cold render them desirous of a cure for, or preventive against, rheumatism. The costermongers were also purchasers, and in the course of my inquiries among that numerous body, I occasionally saw a galvanic ring still worn by a few, and those chiefly, I think, fish-sellers. Nor was the street or shop trade in these galvanic rings confined to amulets for the finger. I heard of one elderly woman, then a prosperous street-seller in the new cut, who slept with a galvanic ring on every toe. She suffered so much from cramp and rheumatism. There were also galvanic shields, which were to be tied round the waist, and warranted to cure all over. They were retailed at sixpence each. Galvanic earrings were likewise a portion of this manufacture. They were not drops from the ear, but filled behind and around it as regards the back of the skull, 
and were to avert rheumatic attacks and even aching from the head the street price was one shilling the pair galvanic bracelets handsomely gilt were two shillings and sixpence the pair but the sale of all these higher priced charms was a mere nonentity compared to that of the penny rings another trade if it may be classed under this head carried on by great numbers and with great success for a while was that of cards with the lord's prayer in the compass of a sixpence this was an engraving now and then offered in the streets still strictly fulfilling the announcement as to the compass in which the prayer was contained with the addition of a drawing of the bible as part of the engraving within the sixpence this trade was at first i am told chiefly in the hands of the patterers grand novelty they said splendid engraving the lord's prayer with a beautiful picture of the bible all legible to the naked eye in the compass of a sixpence five hundred letters all clear on a sixpence one man said to me i knew very well there wasn't five hundred but it was a neat number to cry a schoolmaster said to me once why there isn't above half that number of letters he was wrong though for i believe there's two hundred and eighty this card was published six or seven years ago and the success attending the sale of the lord's prayer led to the publication of the belief in the same form when the trade was new said one man i could sell a gross in a day without any very great trouble but in a little time there was hundreds in the trade and one might patter hard to sell four dozen the wholesale price was eight shillings the gross and as thirteen cards went to the dozen the day's profit when a gross was sold was five shillings when the sale did not extend to beyond four dozen the profit was one shilling and eightpence a few cards in letters of gold were vended in the streets at sixpence each they had large margins and presented a handsome appearance the wholesale price was three shillings and sixpence the dozen when this trade was at its height there were i am told from five hundred to seven hundred men women and children engaged in it selling the cards both with and without other articles the cards had also a very extensive sale in the country pen holders with glass or china handles are another commodity which appeared suddenly about six months ago in street commerce and at once became the staple of a considerable traffic these pens are eight or nine inches long the body so to speak being of solid round glass of almost all colours green blue and black predominating with a seal lacquered white or yellow at the top and a holder of the usual kind with a steel pen at the bottom some are made of white pot and called china pens and of these some are ornamented with small paintings of flowers and leaves these wares are german and were first charged nine shillings and sixpence the gross without pens which were an additional threepence at the swag shops the price is now five shillings the gross the pens being the same the street sellers who were fortunate enough to get a good start with these articles did exceedingly well the penholders when new are handsome looking and at one penny each were cheap some few were at first retailed at twopence one man i am told sold two and a half gross in one day in the neighbourhood of the bank purchasers not seldom taking a dozen or more 
as the demand continued some men connected with the supply of goods for street sale purchased all the stock in the swag shops expending about a hundred and seventy pounds and at once raised the price to ten shillings and sixpence the gross this amount the poorer street sellers demurred to give as they could rarely obtain a higher price than a penny each and twopence for the ornamented holders but the street stationers who bought however very sparingly and the small shopkeepers gave the advance as they found the glass holders asked for on the whole i am told this forestalling was not very profitable to the speculators as when fresh supplies were received at the swags the price fell at first this street business was carried on by men but it was soon resorted to by numbers of poor women and children one gentleman informed me that in consequence of reading london labour and the london poor he usually had a little talk with the street sellers of whom he purchased any trifle he bought these penholders of ten or twelve different women and girls all of them could answer correctly his inquiry as to the uses of the pens but only one girl of fifteen or sixteen and she hesitatingly ventured to assert that she could write her own name with the pen she offered for sale the street trade still continues but instead of being in the hands of four hundred individuals as it was at the very least i am assured at one period there are now only about fifty carrying it on itinerantly while with the pitched salespeople the glass holders are merely a portion of the stock and with the itinerants ten dozen a week a receipt of ten shillings and a profit of four shillings and ninepence is now an average sale the former glass-holder sellers of the poorer sort are now vending oranges shirt buttons form another of the articles generally either useful things or with such recommendation to street buyers as the galvanic amulets possessed which every now and then are disposed of in great quantities in the streets if an attempt be made by a manufacturer to establish a cheaper shirt button for instance of horn or pot or glass and if it prove unsuccessful or if an improvement be effected and the old stock becomes a sort of dead stock the superseded goods have to be disposed of and i am informed by a person familiar with those establishments that the swag shopkeepers can always find customers for anything likely with the indispensable proviso that it be cheap in this way shirt buttons have lately been sold in the streets not only by the vendors of small wares in their regular trade but by men lads and girls some of the males shirtless themselves who sell them solely with a continuous and monotonous cry of halfpenny a dozen halfpenny a dozen the wholesale price of the last street lot was threepence the gross or a farthing the dozen to clear sixpence a day in shirt buttons is good work it is more frequently fourpence of the street sellers of walking sticks the walking sticks sold in the streets of london are principally purchased at wholesale houses in mint street and union street borough and their neighbourhoods there's no street trade said an intelligent man and i've tried most that's been or promised to be a living in the streets that is so tiresome as the walking-stick trade there is nothing in which people are so particular 
the stick's sure to be either too short or too long or too thick or too thin or too limp or too stiff you would think it was a simple thing for a man to choose a stick out of a lot but if you were with me a selling on a fine sunday at battersea fields you'd see it wasn't oh it's a tiresome job the trade is a summer and a sunday trade the best localities are the several parks and the approaches to them greenwich park included hampstead heath kennington common and indeed wherever persons congregate for pedestrian purposes battersea fields being perhaps the place where the greatest sunday trade is carried on some of the greater thoroughfares too such as oxford street and the city road are a good deal frequented by the stick sellers this trade like others where the article sold is not of general consumption or primary usefulness affords what i once heard a street seller call a good range there is no generally recognized price or value so that a smart trader in sticks can apportion his offers or his charges to what he may think to be the extent of endurance in a customer what might be tuppence to a man who looked knowing might be sixpence to a man who looked green the common sticks which are the cripples i was told of all the sorts of sticks the spoiled or inferior sticks mixed with common pines are fifteen pence the dozen from this price there is a gradual scale up to eight shillings the dozen for good polished beyond that price the street seller rarely ventures and seldom buys even at that for street trade high rate as fourpenny and sixpenny sticks go off the best these saleable sticks are generally polished hazel or pine i've sold to all sorts of people sir said a stick seller i once had some very pretty sticks very cheap only tuppence apiece and i sold a good many to boys they bought them i suppose to look like men and daren't carry them home for i once saw a boy i'd sold a stick to break it and throw it away just before he knocked at the door of a respectable house one sunday evening i've sold shilling sticks to gentlemen sometimes that had lost or broken or forgot their own canes there's nothing done in now in the streets nor in vines which is the little switchy things that used to be a sort of plaything there's only one stick man in the streets as far as i know and if there was i should be sure to know i think that has what you may call a capital in sticks only the other day i saw him sell a registered stick near charing cross it was a beauty a bath cane with a splendid ivory head and a compass let into the ivory the head screwed off and beneath was a map of london and a guide to the great exhibition oh but he has a beautiful stock and ain't he aristocratic ash twigs with the light-coloured bark on them not polished but just trimmed was a very good sale but they're not now why as to what i take it's such an uncertain trade that it's hard to say some days i haven't taken sixpence and the most money i ever took was one derby day at epsom i wish there was more derby days for poor people's sakes and then i took thirty shillings the most money as ever i took in london was fourteen shillings one sunday in battersea fields when i had a prime cheap stock of bamboos when i keep entirely to the stick trade and during the summer i may take thirty-five shillings in a week with a profit of fifteen shillings the street stick sellers are i am assured sometimes about two hundred in number on a fine sunday in the summer 
of these some are dock labourers who thus add to their daily earnings by a seventh day's labour others and a smarter class are the supers supernumeraries of theatres who also eke out their pittance by sunday toil porters irregularly employed and consequently hard pushed to live also sell walking sticks on the sundays as do others who cannot afford as a well-educated man a patterer on paper once said to me to lose a day if they were d d for it the usual mode of this street trade is to carry the bundle of sticks strapped together under the arm and deposit the ends on the ground when a sale is to be effected a few however and principally jews have stands with the walking sticks enclosed in a sort of frame on the mondays there are not above a third of the number of stick sellers there are on the sundays and on the other days of the week not above a seventh or an eighth calculating that for twelve weeks of the year there are every day thirty-five stick sellers each taking on an average thirty shillings a week with a profit individually of about twelve shillings we find six hundred and thirty pounds expended in walking sticks in the streets on clear winter days a stick seller occasionally plies his trade but on frosty days they are occupied in letting out skates in the parks or wherever ponds are frozen of the street sellers of whips etc these traders are a distinct class from the stick sellers and have a distinct class of customers the sale is considerable for to many the possession of a whip is a matter of importance if one be lost or stolen for instance from a butcher's cart at newgate market the need of a whip to proceed with the cart and horse to its destination prompts the purchase in the quickest manner and this is usually effected of the street seller who offers his wares to the carters at every established resort the commonest of the whips sold to cart drivers is sometimes represented as whalebone covered with gut but the whalebone is a stick and the flexible part is a piece of leather while the gut is a sort of canvas made to resemble the worked gut of the better sort of whips and is pasted to the stock the thong which in the common sort is called four strands or plaits being attached to the flexible part some of these whips are old stocks recovered and many are sad rubbish but for any deceit the street seller can hardly be considered responsible as he always purchases at the shop of a wholesale whip maker who is in some cases a retailer at the same price and under the same representations as the street seller the retail price is one shilling each the wholesale eight shillings and nine shillings a dozen some of the street whip sellers represent themselves as the makers but the whips are almost all made in birmingham and walsall of these traders very few are the ordinary street sellers most of them have been in some way or other connected with the care of horses and some were described to me as beaten out countrymen who had come up to town in the hope of obtaining employment and had failed one man of the last mentioned class told me that he had come to london from a village in cambridgeshire bringing with him testimonials of good character and some letters from parties whose recommendation he expected would be serviceable to him but he had in vain endeavoured for some months to obtain work with a carrier omnibus proprietor or job-master either as driver or in charge of horses 
his prospects thus failing him he was now selling whips to earn his livelihood a friend advised him to do this as better than starving and as being a trade that he understood i often thought i'd be forced to go back home sir he said and i'd have been ashamed to do it for i would come to try my luck in london and would leave a place i had all my friends and they're not badly off tried to swade me to stop at home another year or two but come i would as if i must and couldn't help it i brought good clothes with me and they're almost all gone and i'd be ashamed to go back so shabby like the prodigal son you know sir i'll have another try yet for i get on to a cab next monday with a very respectable cabmaster as i've only myself i know i can do i was on one but not with the same master after i'd been six weeks here but in two days i was forced to give it up for i didn't know my way enough and i didn't know the distances and couldn't make the money i paid for my cab if i asked another cabman he was as likely to tell me wrong as right then the fares used to be shouting out i say cabby where the h blank are you going i told you mark lane and here we are at the minories drive back sir i know my way now well enough sir i've walked the streets too long not to know it i notice them on purpose now and know the distances i've written home for a few things for my new trade and i'm sure to get them they don't know i'm selling whips there would be such a laugh against me among all the young fellows if they did me as was so sure to do well in london it's a poor trade a carman'll bid me sixpence for such a whip as this which is four shillings and threepence the half dozen wholesale i have to find my own whips my last customer said though i drives for a stunning grocer and be d blank d to him they're great swearers some of them i make seven shillings or eight shillings a week for i can walk all day without tiring i one week cleared fourteen shillings next week i made three shillings i have slept in cheap lodging-houses but only in three one was very decent though out of the way one was middling and the t'other was a pigsty i've seen very poor places in the country but nothing to it i now pay two shillings a week for a sort of closet with a bed in it at the top of a house but it's clean and sweet and my landlord's a greengrocer and coal merchant and firewood seller he's a good man and i can always earn a little against the rent with him by cleaning his harness and grooming his pony he calls it a pony but it's over fifteen hands and greasing his cart-wheels and mucking out his stable and such like i shall live there when i'm on my cab other carmen's whips are one shilling and sixpence and as high as two shillings and sixpence but the great sale is of those at one shilling the principal localities for the trade are at the meat markets the green markets smithfield the streets leading to billingsgate when crowded in the morning the neighbourhood of the docks and wharfs and the thoroughfares generally the trade in the other kind of whips is again in the hands of another class in that of cabmen who have lost their license who have been maimed and the numerous hands who job about stables especially cab-horse stables when without other employment the price of the inferior sort of gig whips is one shilling to one shilling and sixpence the wholesale price being from nine shillings and sixpence to fourteen shillings and sixpence the dozen some are lower than nine shillings and sixpence but the cabmen i am told will hardly look at them they know what they're a-buying of and he's wide awake and that's one reason why the profit's so small occasionally one whip-seller told me he had sold gig-whips at two shillings or two shillings and sixpence 
to gentlemen who had broken their valuable lancewood or beautiful thorn and who made a temporary purchase until they could buy at their accustomed shops a military gent with moustaches once called to me in piccadilly the same man stated and he said here give me the best you can for half a crown i've snapped my own i never use the whip when i drive for my horse is skittish and won't stand it but i can't drive without one in the height of the season two and sometimes three men sell handsome gig whips at the fashionable drives or the approaches i've taken as much as thirty shillings in a day for three whips said one man each ten shillings but they were silver-mounted thorn and very cheap indeed that's eight or nine years back people looks oftener at ten shillings now i've sold horse dealers whips too with loaded ends oh all prices i've brought them wholesale at eight shillings a dozen and seven shillings and sixpence apiece hunting whips are never sold in the streets now i have sold them but it's a good while ago as riding whips for park gentlemen the stocks were of fine strong lancewood such a close grain with buckhorn handles and a close-worked thong fastened to the stock by an eye note loop end note which it slipped through you could hear its crack half a mile off threshing machines i called them all the whipsellers in a large way visit the races fairs and large markets within fifty miles of london some go as far as goodwood at the race time which is between sixty and seventy miles distant on a well-thronged race-ground these men will take three pounds or four pounds in a day and from half to three-fourths as much at a country fair they sell riding-whips in the country but seldom in town an experienced man knew forty whipsellers as nearly as he could call them to mind by sight and twenty by name he was certain that on no day were there fewer than thirty in the streets and sometimes though rarely there were one hundred the most prosperous of the body including their profits at races and so on make one pound a week the year through the poorer sort from five shillings to ten shillings and the latter are three times as numerous as the others averaging that only thirty whipsellers take twenty-five shillings each weekly with profits of from five shillings to ten shillings we find one thousand nine hundred and fifty pounds expended in the streets in whips some of the whip-sellers vend whip-cord also to those cabmen and carters who cord their own whips the whip-cord is bought wholesale at two shillings the pound sometimes lower and sold at a halfpenny the knot there being generally six dozen knots in a pound another class mend cabmen's whips rethonging or new-springing them but these are street artisans end of section seventy eight